Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Good morning. Please remain standing if able for the gospel reading. Today's uh, reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Listen for the word of God. When Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, for whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old day, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. I have always loved that song. I've always loved rivers, the movement of the water, the peace that comes as I listen to it trickle by or rush down over rocks and tree branches. I find that being by a river can be like a prayer in and of itself. I take Mondays as my Sabbath day, and my routine um, since I moved here this summer, if I can, is on Mondays after I drop my kids off at school to go somewhere along the Chattahoochee River. I find that it helps me connect or reconnect with God in ways that I need to. Our worship series this fall, as you know, is God's Story exploring the ways that God's central story through scripture, covenant, abundance, hope, resurrection, are a critical part of our stories, and how our stories, our lived realities and experiences in the world, how they were a critical part of God's story. We've heard story from scriptures. We've heard stories from people who are a part of this congregation, like we did from Harry so beautifully today, about how God has moved and worked in their lives, how this congregation has been the hands and the feet of Jesus for each other, for the world. The very core of our Christian story and identity is that good news of resurrection, God's gift of new and surprising and eternal life. The pinnacle of our Christian story is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest story ever told. And it's the lens through which we know and experience everything else. It is the crux of God's story. When we know this good news, when we see it and experience it, we start to see new life in all kinds of places and experiences. 
And we see that God is always doing a new thing. Throughout scripture, that new thing is often connected to water. God uses the metaphor of a spring and Isaiah saying, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? As we celebrated Patrick's baptism, we named the ways that God does new and surprising things through water, setting the ark for Noah upon the waters, parting the Red Sea for Moses and his people, forming Jesus in the water of a womb, and of course, his baptism. I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. One piece of my story that I will be forever grateful for is that in 2012, I got to travel to the Holy Land. The North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church at the time was making it possible for people who were newly ordained to go to the Holy Land. We were able to travel as a group. Kyle was able to go with me. Our bishop was there and traveled alongside of us. It was the trip of a lifetime. Out of everything that I was looking forward to experiencing, I was most excited about going to the Jordan River and remembering my baptism there going down to the river to pray, but not just any river, right? The river, the place where John baptized Jesus. Imagine that beautiful scene again and again in my mind, standing on the shores where John baptized Jesus, where he was eating locusts and wild honey and crowds were coming so that they could be near this wild and woolly wilderness preacher to hear the good news he had to offer to receive some cleansing in these waters. I wanted to pray under the same sky where the heavens broke open and a dove descended saying to Jesus, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. I longed to hear my name from God in that moment, receiving that same kind of assurance. As I traveled on the plane from Atlanta to Tel Aviv, I imagined myself on those sacred shores I could just feel the ground below my feet. Imagine beautiful flowers along the banks of the river. Hear that rushing spirit of God encircling me as the waters flew by. Well, it was the third day of our trip. It was, thurs it was Thursday. We were traveling around the region of Galilee, and the day had finally come. Kyle and I actually came prepared with two water bottles because we wanted to scoop up that Jordan River water and bring it home so that when I baptized children in my ministry or adults, we could put some of that water in the baptismal font. The bishop uh, told us as we were pulling up that we were all going to get out of the bus, stand alongside the shore, somebody was going to read some scripture to us, and then we were to find a partner so that we could put our hands in the water and then make the sign of the cross on the forehead of our partner and say, remember your baptism and be thankful. So the van pulled up to the side of the road. We unloaded along the banks there, and I could hardly contain myself. I felt like Moses that I needed to take my shoes off because I was standing on holy ground. As I looked down at my feet, stepping off the bus, looking for the flowers and the green grass, instead I saw a lot of trash. It was littered along the banks. 
Somebody said, hey, look over there. And I thought, oh, is there a dove? What is it? No, it's swim. Nutria, and I don't know if you know what nutria are, but they are giant rats that swim. They swim in the very water that I was about to stick my hand in. And then its friends started coming, and they started swimming and commingling among the catfish that were in the water. And they were all eating the trash that was in the water and along the shores. As Kyle and I reached down, ready to scoop up that water and to remember our baptisms, I realized that I could hardly see the water because it was dirty and dingy and slimy. I really didn't want him to put that water on my face, uh, but we did anyway. And we reluctantly scooped up two bottles of that um, dingy and murky Jordan River water that I wanted to have with us, that I wanted to bring back here. But I have to tell you, friends, I felt a lot more grossed out than I felt beloved. It started raining really hard as soon as we remembered our baptism, so we didn't even have time to stand there. Everybody was saying, go, go, get back on the bus. And as we got back on, there was one of our leaders was furiously pumping out hand sanitizer for everybody who got back on the bus. I was really glad I left my shoes on, for nobody should be barefoot along the Jordan River. They actually told us afterwards, they didn't tell us beforehand, um, but the year before, our bishop had had a cut on his hand, um, and when he put his hands in the water, he actually got an infection and had to go to the doctor. Well, I held on to that water for days because that is what I came here to do. It is what I wanted to have with me for the future. But as we arrived to our hotel in Jerusalem, I had taken it all across Galilee. I looked at it sitting on that bathroom counter. It was turning more green and murky. I just couldn't imagine packing it in my suitcase, bringing it here. I couldn't imagine it putting on the heads of, of precious babies. So I'm here to tell you that I took that Jordan River water and I flushed it down the toilet in my hotel in Jerusalem. <laughs> Any romantic notions that I had about baptism were left on the banks of the Jordan River, right alongside the Nutria. It was not a beautiful scene. Reflecting on that day, on the scene that I had imagined in my mind beforehand, I first tried to justify it. I thought, well, surely the river wasn't so dirty when John baptized Jesus. I mean, the world has gotten a lot more polluted, right, over time. I'm sure they didn't have the same problems with trash and wildlife. But then I quickly snapped out of my realization. Of course, today we have much better trash collection and sewage drainage systems than they did in the first century. It was probably that dirty or a lot dirtier. Being on the banks of the Jordan River was a humbling experience. It was messy, it was earthy, and it was downright incarnational. So, friends, is baptism. For as beautiful as the sacrament of baptism is, it's not romantic. Being carried by God, by grace, into the Christian family, it is messy, it is earthy, and it is downright incarnational. It's easy to romanticize rivers peaceful and beautiful and clean. It's easy to romanticize resurrection that God's new life will be peaceful and beautiful and calm and make everything else easy. And it's easy to romanticize baptism, an essential part of God's story of new life, 
We marvel at babies, adorable and beautiful, and their white clothing. But the greatest human who ever lived, our Messiah, Jesus Christ, was baptized in dirty waters, heaven and earth meeting right there on the river. They were meeting there in the waters of baptism. Sometimes we sentimentalize baptism by thinking that it's an individual act, that moment when an adult or a child is called God's beloved, calls a person's name, and then that child experiences the sweet moment when he or she knows that they're loved by God. Now at baptism, a voice does call out, you are my beloved, with you I am well pleased. But let me be clear, baptism doesn't magically turn us into God's beloved children. We are born as God's beloved. God the creator created each one of us. God knows our names before we're born and the count of hairs on our head. Whether you are baptized as an infant or a child or an adult, whether you've never been baptized, you are God's beloved child. That was always true will always be true by virtue of being created by God, and the act of baptism does not change that. Nothing can make you God's beloved, and nothing can ever take that away from you. What is baptism? Baptism isn't a romantic ritual. It's not an excuse to see cute babies in worship, though that's a wonderful byproduct. It's not an individual act. It's a radical ritual that initiates us into the Christian story and it fundamentally changes our identity. And that receiving of the water and the anointing and the name of God, our Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the person who is baptized is physically and spiritually marked as one whose identity is now as a Christian, whose primary identity is in Christ. So in the act of receiving that water and that grace, we no longer have an an individual identity. We're not first and foremost our individual selves. We are now first and foremost part of the body of Christ. That child's name is no longer just their given name. Now it's their given name, sister of Christ. It's Patrick, brother of Christ. And there's nothing romantic about that. It's radical to attach your identity purposefully to something that is beyond yourself, to do that for the children in our lives, to attach ourselves and our families to the community, to the common good, especially today in our hyper-individualistic culture. It's radical to mark on our bodies that we belong to something beyond ourselves that we belong to God through Jesus Christ. Does it mean that after our baptism, our lives are now going to be perfect because we are identified as Christians, free from sin or heartache or tragedy? No, you know that. We've still got to wade through murky waters. We've got to get our hands dirty, step over trash, face God's creatures that we really don't want to, But baptism reminds us that we do not do any of this alone. We have the grace of God and the power of the community to show us again and again and again. 
Baptism is a communal act. It's why we do it right here in the center of our worship service. It's why you as a congregation committed to nurture and to support Patrick, to teach him the faith, to be there for him when he needs somebody to listen, to teach him Bible stories, to take his questions about God seriously, to show him what new life in Christ looks like and feels like and sounds like, Attaching our identity to Christ, the Christ who rose from the dead, isn't always peaceful or beautiful or romantic or easy. Because the thing about resurrection, about new life, is that it only comes after death. When we attach ourselves to God's story of resurrection, when our identity is first and foremost as a beloved child of God, Life can be risky and messy, and it requires letting go of old ways, even dying to old ways. Through Christ, we die to the ways of violence and economic exploitation and injustice. We die to the ways of ego and selfishness and pride, to individualism. We die to the ways of self-righteousness and greed and earthly power. And it's not easy. It's often messy and painful and can make us uncomfortable. It requires change, maybe change we don't really want to make. But what the sacrament of baptism reminds us is that when we attach our identity to Christ, to the God of resurrection, what comes on the other side is always surprising and new and more spectacular than anything we could create or imagine on our own. It's a story of radical and unconditional love, of peace like a river that passes understanding, of the hungry being filled with good things and the lowly lifted up. It's a story of a kingdom where every single person is welcome, where all are known and respected as beloved children of God. So my hope and my prayer is that we are a people of resurrection, believing in our very bones this good news, willing to die to old ways that keep us captive to fear and individualism, and that together we open ourselves to new and surprising and transformational life that God always brings on the other side. May it be so. Amen. Now, as you go from this place this morning, go here knowing and believing deep in your bones And that good news of God's resurrection, may you know you are God's beloved, and may we live as people who are shaped by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go forth with his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.